your Bible, would you please turn with me to the book of Joshua and chapter 1. Joshua and chapter 1. I was preaching Joshua last Sunday night and uh, I wasn't expecting the Lord to lead me back to the book of Joshua again this morning, but I'm pleased to be back in this precious book. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses." Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Please keep that wonderful portion of God's word open before you. It was the eve of the 1956 boycott uh, in Montgomery. And Martin Luther King had just received a very threatening telephone call. And he was a frightened man. And so he prayed. He said to the Lord, I am here taking a stand for what I believe is right. But Lord, I must confess that I am weak now. I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage. Now I'm afraid. These people are looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I'm at the end of my powers. I can't face it alone. Poor man. Must have been terrifying for him. But he later wrote in his diary... At that moment, I experienced the presence of the divine as I never experienced him before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, Stand up for righteousness. 
Stand up for truth and God will be at your side forever. Almost at once my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. Well, that story illustrates in a nutshell really what we're talking about today. Be strong and courageous. This was God's word to Joshua, the leader of the children of Israel who succeeded Moses. And uh, it was a very tense and difficult time for the children of Israel because Moses, the leader who had brought them out of the land of Egypt with the great victory at Passover and the defeat of the gods of Egypt with the plagues on Egypt, he had now died outside the promised land in the land of Jordan uh, on Mount Nebo. And he was no longer there to lead the children of Israel. And the book begins with this sentence, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. And it's always a tense time when a leader ends his role in office, because then people are wondering what's going to happen next. And especially so when it's the sort of culture which doesn't have a dynasty You know, some uh, nations, like Egypt, they worked on a dynastic system. So as soon as the king died, you said, long live the king. And the next king came to the throne of power. But the children of Israel were not at this stage a monarchy. And there wasn't an established king. So Moses had died. So who was going to lead them? Well, the Lord called Joshua to lead them. And Joshua must have been very frightened and very worried about how he would be received in that situation. But God spoke these words to encourage him. And they come up three times in this passage. If you look in verse 9, he said, be strong and courageous. Sorry, verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. And then in verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and and courageous. Three times the Lord said this to Joshua. And these verses show Joshua's calling by God to be the leader of the people of Israel. And they give his divine authority for leading because God is calling him to step into Moses' shoes. But also they show that God had said to Moses, to Joshua, I'm going to be with you. Be strong and very courageous. And these are words that are tremendously encouraging for God's people. Be strong and very courageous. You know, we face a lot of challenges in life and it isn't going to get easier as we get further towards the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible prophesies that. And we need to know that we can be strong for these days. For the things we're going to face in our lives and the things we're going to face, the challenges of life. We can be strong and very courageous because of the things that are in this text. I read of a a missionary in China in the 1940s whose name was Dr. William Wallace. And Dr. William Wallace uh, was a medical doctor who was in charge of the Stout Memorial Hospital uh, at that time. And when the Japanese invaded China, he took hold of the scripture promises that God would be with him. And he took hold of the verses in Philippians and other places, not to fear. And he said to the men, load all the medical equipment you can on the barges, and we will float up and down the rivers of China, trying to avoid the armies, 
and will carry on running the hospital for the people. (laughs) Isn't that remarkable? He had an opportunity to flee, but instead he took his stand on the word of God and he tried to be strong and courageous. You and I need to be like that. Now you may say to yourself, well John, this is lovely to hear those things, but you know what, this was God's word to Joshua. It's not his word to us, it's God's word to Joshua. So how can you say this has any relevance to us today? Well I can say it is God's word to us today for a number of reasons. First of all, God's word doesn't dissolve with passing generations. It gets passed on. Did you notice in verse 2, sorry, verse 3, God said, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. God said to Joshua, you know what I promised to Moses? That applies to you. And that's an illustration of scripture here. What God promised Joshua, it applies to us as well. And not only that, but we have this command to be strong and courageous, repeated again and again and again in the scripture for God's people to benefit from. Psalm 31 verse 24 says, Be strong and take heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 41 verse 10. The Lord says that he takes hold of our right hand so we can be strong and courageous. He says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said this to the church at Corinth. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. The same words, in effect, that God spoke to Moses. So we can, uh, to Joshua. So we can see that this command is passed through scripture to God's people. And God says it to us today, who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our saviour. Be strong And of good courage. And it's my prayer this morning that looking at this passage of scripture will lift you up and light you up to be strong for the Lord. For what it is you have to face at this time. I don't know what challenges you're facing but I believe these verses can help you to stand strong for the Lord. You know, I, uh, like many of you, I get the Open Doors prayer diary or the Barnabas prayer diary and we read of the stories of the persecuted church. Well, in uh, one of the recent editions of the Open Doors prayer diary, there was a, a testimony of a lady in Nepal called Rita. That's the name they've given her anyway. They changed the names to protect them from persecution any further. But her husband died of COVID-19 leaving her to fend with the children on her own. And the difficulty was she was living with her Hindu in-laws who persecuted her for the faith. And it was a, a very difficult thing for her as a Christian to do. But this is her testimony, she said, I prayed and prayed and put my questions to God. Then God assured me that he will never leave me through Isaiah 49.15. He also told me to be strong and courageous through Joshua 1 verse 9. After that I found peace in my heart. I felt God's presence in my life. That's a living testimony of the things that we're talking about here today. And it's my prayer that God will strengthen you in these same ways. So why can we be strong and courageous looking at this passage? Well, in this passage we see we have three things. We have the God of promises, we have the guide to prosperity, and we have grounds 
for positivity, for being positive. So those three things are what God spoke to Joshua and applied to us. Let's see them one by one, shall we, this morning. First of all, we can be strong and courageous because we have the God of promises, which is what the first verses are about. Now, I don't know if you uh, have ever heard of a man by the name of Andrew Garcia before, but Andrew Garcia was a man who lived in the 1800s in the American West. And he was one of those settlers who lived in the mountainous regions, and he he had a very difficult time, as they all did at those times, setting up home in those areas. And on one occasion, he had to uh, borrow some goods from a man who owned a shop in Bozeman in Montana uh, to hunt buffalo. And he had to borrow some goods, and he didn't have enough money to pay for the man, for the things. He gave the man what he had, but he said, look, I'll come back and I will settle up the difference to you. And he went away and he hunted, caught his buffalo, made his money, moved on his journey. And he said that he would pay it back by January the 1st. Well, the winter snows were coming, and it was very difficult. And uh, his friends said to him, look... You don't have to go and pay that back to that, that man. You know, you live miles away. That guy's never going to find you where you are. And, and you've only just got that money back. But he said, no, I gave my word. I'm going to pay it back. And so through the winter snows, that man took his traveling through, New, uh, through Colorado and down into New Mexico. And he headed back to Bozeman. And he paid back the cost of 300 pounds. Think of that. What an effort to fulfill a promise. Now, if that's what a good man will do, what do you think a great God will do? A great God will certainly fulfill his promises. And this was God's word to Joshua. He was saying to Joshua, there are promises here and I'm going to fulfill them. And the God of promises is part of the reason we can have courage and strength in times of difficulty. Do you remember Pilgrim's Progress when Christian was in Doubting Castle and being held hostage by giant despair? I love that book. He forgot all the time he had a key in his pocket that would unlock any door. The key of promise. And when he remembered, the promise unlocked the door and he and his friend Hopeful then fled to safety. This is what God is giving Joshua in these words. And there's three lots of promises here. There's the promised land in verses 2 to 4. After Moses uh, has died, God speaks to Joshua in verse 1. Then verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them to the Israelites. God had said he was going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, the land of Canaan. And he said it was a land that he was about to give them. They had to cross that river Jordan. Now, I don't know what you would feel like yourself. I think Joshua must have felt a little bit like Caesar, Julius Caesar, when he was about to cross the Rubicon to go to take on the Senate and fight Rome. You know, what a, what a daunt, when you cross that river, that's it. You're in the enemy's territory and the battle is on. But they could go and take that land because God had promised. Look at verse 3. He said, I will give you 
every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. He said, this land is already promised to you. And that's true. That's what they found when they went into the land. They started conquering. You know, Joshua sent the spies into Jericho. And the people in Jericho were trembling in fear. And Rahab said, we've heard all that the Lord your God has done for you. And we know he's going to give you this land. You know, it's amazing. The enemies of God knew they were defeated before the Israelites knew they were victorious. (laughs) But that was the promise. They'd heard it. They'd seen what happened. And they found it was so. And when they get into chapter 6, God gave Jericho to them and so on as he promised. And they found that they weren't going in to achieve victory. They were going in to receive victory. They were going to receive the promised land that they had been given on promise to Moses. God's word was sure of what was going to happen. In verse 4, God laid out how big that land was going to be. He said, your territory will extend from the desert, that's the Negev, right down towards Egypt, to Lebanon, way up in the north, and from the great river, the Euphrates, which is far north, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. Fascinating little reference there to the Hittites, which archaeology has now confirmed, that the Hittites were a dominant nation in the past in that land. We know that from peace treaties made with Egypt from days prior to this. But this land, all the way up to the Mediterranean Sea, was going to be given to the people of Israel. And so Joshua could go through and claim that land. Do you remember William Penn, who founded the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? Do you know how that came into being? The Indians gave him a promise. They said, you can have as much land as you can walk around. So he said, okay. And he took them on. They didn't think he was serious. (laughs) They didn't think he would do it. But one day, he walked around the land, how much he could encompass in a single day. And he started off early in the morning, and he came back late at night. And they kept their promise, and they gave him the land. Well, that's what God did for Joshua. Every place you set your foot, I will give to you. And the promised land was given to God's people. Do you know what? We have a promised land as well. Children of God, we can be strengthened and encouraged in these days we're living in because we have a land that's not a, a hope so, it's a no so. When I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his saving work on the cross for me, my sins were paid for in full. Jesus' death on the cross paid for my sins in full. My debt to God was wiped out and heaven was mine. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish, shall not go to hell, that means, but have everlasting life. Have a land given and promised to you. If you do, you can be encouraged if you've put your trust in the Lord Jesus. We have a promised land. We have also a promised Lord. Because if you look in verse 5, God says, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, a lot of human beings have what I call eye trouble. They talk about, I did this, I did that, I will do this, I will do that. And all you hear is about that person. And in a person, that, or a human being, that's egotistical. But when God says, I will, 
I will, I will. That's not egotistical, that's grounds for worship. And God says to Joshua here, I will be with you. So no one's going to be able to stand up to you all the days of your life. I will be with you. He had a promised Lord with him. And God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That word forsake is the word for, as a military term for deserting someone in battle. God said, I'll never desert you in battle. I'll never let you down. I will be with you continuing. And you know, the wonderful thing is, this verse is quoted in Hebrews 13 verse 5 for the whole church. We can be content with what things we have and we do not need to be afraid of men for the Lord has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. It's a wonderful promise and we can find great encouragement in that. Lord, give me courage to rise above fear, even of danger, because you are near, wrote the poet. And that's our promise as well. But he also promised him, a, gave him a promised leadership. That should say leadership rather than leader. A promised leadership because God said in verse 6, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. God had given Joshua the role of being the leader and he would fulfill that task and take them into the promised land as the Lord had said he would. And many of us who are in the church, in service in the church, in Sunday school, in, 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 in church leadership and so on, we can take comfort in the fact that if God has called us into his work, we have his promise that he will be with us to help us lead the people into the land. And if we're not called into the role of leadership, we can take encouragement that we have a leader, a leader in the Lord Jesus Christ, who will do the same for us. So, dear friends, let's take encouragement from the promises of God. Don't just learn them, although I hope you will. There's something like 7,448 promises of God in the scriptures, I'm told. Learn the promises, love them. Love them. They'll make a difference to your life. And if you lean on them, you'll find them to be true. Lean on the promises of God. We sing that hymn, standing on the promises of God, my Saviour. Let that be true for us in our lives. And we will have strength and courage as well. The second thing we can see here is we can have strength and courage because we have not only a God of promises, but we have a guide to prosperity. And this has given us in verses 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Now, as soon as you say the word prosperity, a lot of Christians break out into a rash uh, because they think that we're talking about the prosperity gospel. Well, let me just reassure you straight away that I'm not into the prosperity gospel and I'm not teaching that. And if you doubt that, we have a a sermon newly uploaded onto our YouTube uh, channel uh, connected with our website. You can find that. And it's the warnings about the prosperity gospel. And uh, it'll reassure you that we're not into that or trying to teach that. But nevertheless, the Bible does hold prosperity for God's people. And in the scriptures, prosperity is spoken of a lot more than most people realise. We have the proclamation of prosperity in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20. 
Do you know when Nehemiah, the, the man of God, came from Babylon to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, he said to the people of God and to the enemies of God, we will rebuild these walls and our God will give us success. He, he proclaimed it. He will give us prosperity. He will prosper our work. He proclaimed it. We have the principle of prosperity in Psalm 1 verse 3. That the man of God who puts his trust in the word of God will be like a tree whose leaf never withers. Whatever he does will prosper. And we have the prayer for prosperity in the New Testament. 3 John verse 2. Do you ever read the book of 3 John? probably fallen out of your Bible and you didn't even know it was gone. But you know, 3 John has a verse at the beginning where John the Apostle, who walked with the Lord Jesus, whose same gospel tells us that there will be tribulations and difficulties in life. He said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He prayed for prosperity. Nehemiah prayed for prosperity. In Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11, when he was going to see the king, he said, God, give me good success with this man. You know, the difference is, when the prosperity gospel talks about prosperity, it's talking about worldliness. But when Nehemiah was talking about prosperity, he was talking about the work of God prospering. When Joshua was talking about prosperity, he was talking about the warfare prospering, spiritual warfare. When John was talking about prosperity, he was talking about our walk prospering. And this is the prosperity of scripture that we can look to and and claim with thanksgiving. Lord, send us prosperity. And so here we see in in the first uh, place in verse 7 and 8, the guide to prosperity, which is in the word of God. Because twice in these verses, the Lord says to to Joshua that if he obeys these words, then he will have success and prosperity. If you look at the end of verse 7, he says that you may be successful wherever you go. At the end of verse 8, then you will be prosperous and successful and the guide to prosperity is to follow the word of God to take the word of God and to base what we're doing and how we're living on it and God said to Joshua don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left then you'll be prosperous and successful wherever you go and I want to say to this to dear friends that this is the guidebook to prosperity Have you ever heard of a man called John White? John White wrote a famous book called The Fight. But he also wrote a book called uh, On Leadership, God's Leaders. And it was a book on Nehemiah. And he tells how when he was a young man, he was put in the role of being in charge of the Christian unions. Into Varsity Press. And he, he felt out of his depth. And God took him to the book of Nehemiah. And he learnt the principles of leadership from Nehemiah and how God helped him, therefore, to do that task. You know, this is what we're talking about. God's word will guide us. Did you ever realise that the scientists, the great scientists of the scripture, many of them got their insights and their keys that led them to their great discoveries from the word of God? Matthew Moray, the man who discovered the paths in the sea that changed shipping forever. Do you know where he got that from? Psalm 8. Because God said he makes paths through the sea. He said, well, if it's in the Bible, I'm going to find it. And the word of God 
helped him to prosper. And his name is synonymous to this day with, uh, with these things. So this is why uh, we need to be into the Bible as Christians. And if we do so, then we will prosper spiritually and in every other way that God sees fit to bless us. There's three pieces of, 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 of advice or, 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 or commands given in verse 8 for us regarding this. And this is to read it to meditate on it and to obey it. To read it, verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Now Joshua didn't have a Bible as big as us. He only had the first five books of the Bible because history was still being made at this time, obviously. But he had the books of Moses, the Pentateuch, and they were to read the law out. And God told them to actually orally read it out. So the word was in their mouth. And God said to Joshua, do not let this book of, your, of the Lord depart from your mouth. In other words, keep on reading it. And that's the first step to prosperity, is to read the Bible. I wonder if as a Christian, you are a good Bible reader. It's one of my prayers for our family, that we will all be cover to cover Bible readers. Because God has given us the whole counsel of God. Not just our favourite little bits we put up on fridge magnets. The whole counsel of God. And we need it all to grow spiritually. It's all a part of the armour of God. You know, I read a very stirring testimony about a missionary who worked with an organisation called Underground Evangelism. And underground evangelism was like the open doors of its day. And they worked with the Christians in what was then communist Russia, helping them. And one man in communist Russia managed to lay his hands on a Bible. And his Christian friends were so envious of him, they said, let us, let us borrow it. He said, no way. <laughs> he said, I read this Bible from 8 o'clock in the evening when I finish work, right the way through to 10 o'clock when I go to bed. And one man who was so hungry said, fine. He said, I'll come to your house at 10 o'clock and I'll read it till 2 o'clock. And he did this for three months. And in three months, every day, he bought a piece of paper and a pen and he copied out the Bible until he took home a Bible he'd written out by hand himself. He so wanted to read the Bible. Is that you? Is that you? Christian, we need to be Bible readers if we're going to be prosperous. Not only that, we're to meditate on it. Meditate on it day and night, says the word of God in verse 8. Now, what is meditation? Meditation is when we take it in and we assimilate it. It's like food. You know what? It's not what you eat that does you good. It's what you digest that does you good. What you digest gets into your body and does you good. And this is what meditation is. It's taking in the word of God and, and letting it really soak in to our spirits and taking it in. Adrian Rogers says it's a little bit like getting a song going around in your head. You know, I heard somebody mention a song on the radio this week and that was terrible because I had that song going around in my head all day. I couldn't get it out of my head. And you know what? That's like meditating on something. We take the word of God. I heard of a, a Christian who was a, a great intellectual, great scholar. And uh, he was take, they, were, they had one of these big Bible conferences somewhere in America, the equivalent of Keswick or something. And they went to there and, and, and somebody found him in the kitchen peeling hundreds of potatoes. 
And they said, what on earth are you doing in here? Said, you need to be out there. You know, you know, you could be soaking up so much. He said, no, he said, you don't understand. I've discovered the value of meditating. And while I'm just peeling the potatoes, I'm turning over the scriptures in my mind, thinking on the word of God. And you know what? That's what you and I need to do as well. But not just reading it, not just meditating on it. We also need to obey it. Obey it. Look what God says, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Many of us are happy to read our Bibles. Many of us are happy to reflect on our Bibles. But when it comes to obedience, that's the test, isn't it? Will we obey what God says? Well, that will be the deciding factor between being prosperous and not being prosperous in God's way. And if we don't obey the Bible, we can't expect God's blessing. And I'm going to say this because this is really important. We preach grace in this church. We preach salvation by grace alone. We're not getting to heaven by our good works. We're getting to heaven only by his good work on the cross. Jesus died for sinners. And the only way to get to heaven is to put your trust in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It's not Jesus does his bit and I do my bit and together we'll get there. All right? We're saved by grace alone. But, but, because we emphasize grace alone, do not think that obedience doesn't matter it does it does God said in Isaiah 118 if you will obey you will eat the good of the land and if you don't obey you'll face the curses and judgments and God said that to his people and it is the path to blessing when we trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Christ Jesus than to trust and obey. And Christian, when we obey God's word and we take on the word of God, we will find it is a guide to prosperity. So when we're going forward, we're following God's plan. We can say, I know God's going to help us. We have this promise in his word. We have the promises of God. We have the guide to prosperity. We do not need to fear. I hope you and I will take that to heart and uh, follow through God's word in that way. Third thing we see here, God gave them the grounds for positivity. Just bringing this to a close with verse 9. The Lord said to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you know positivity is one of the most important things for a person's health? Uh, According to a newspaper article in 2016, experts at Harvard University in America uh, studied the health of 70,000 women who they tracked for eight years. And they found that those who were the most positive were those who had the best health. And this is a quote. The most optimistic women had 16% less lower risk of dying from cancer. 38% lower risk of dying from heart disease, 39% lower risk of dying from a stroke, 38% lower risk of dying from respiratory disease, and 52% lower risk of dying from infection. 
Being positive is positively good for you. (laughs) And God says we can be positive. We can be strong and courageous. We don't need to be terrified or discouraged. For the Lord our God will be with us wherever we go. And he's commanded it. Have I not commanded you to be these things? And that command can bring a positive attitude. We don't need to be terrified, to be frightened of the challenges ahead. And we don't need to be discouraged. Discouragement is like sand in the machinery of life. We can be positive because we have such grounds. Because God has said he will be with us. I wonder, dear friends, do you have an outlook that's positive? If you do, your outcome will be more positive based on scripture. I love that story of the little engine that, that could go up the hill. Do you remember that book, the little engine? And he kept saying, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And he, he made it to the top of the hill, little children's book. And he kept saying, I've done it, I've done it. I know I can do it, I've done it. And he made it to the top. Well, we can say the same as God said to Joshua, you can be Go, go forward with, uh, with, with positivity because you know the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So dear friends, what words of encouragement to strengthen us with as we face these days ahead. I pray that you'll take to heart the fact that as Christians we have the God of promises with us. Come to know those promises better and the God who promises them and his faithfulness. I hope you'll come to know the guide to prosperity, the Bible, and get into the Bible. Get back to the Bible, some of you. Spurgeon said some of you could write the word damnation in the dust on your Bibles. Get back to the Bible. You'll find it's the guide to prosperity. And we have the grounds for positivity because the Lord our God has said he will be with us. May we be strong and courageous as the Lord commanded Joshua. We're going to stand and sing when we walk with the Lord, number 760.